You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. I uh, was adjusting my seat there. It wasn't going up all the way. Welcome into the post-2021 NFL Draft edition of the Shop Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. We are going to get into all of our thoughts now with you know plenty of time to digest the first two days. And then what Brandon Bean did today, I thought was you know some... A really interesting decision making in terms of how they structured the first part of the draft, uh, how it fell to them, the decisions that they made, and then how they followed suit on day three, adding two offensive linemen, two more offensive linemen, uh, two defensive backs, and a wide receiver who it seems like as of now projected to be in the battle for a kick returner. Ryan Talbot, let me bring you in before we get too much into uh, the draft itself, the UDFA uh market has opened uh where are we at with that and not as lucrative i guess as most years for the bills yeah you know buffalo's roster is pretty loaded from top to bottom so i I think a lot of the top undrafted free agents were looking for teams where there were more opportunities to make the roster which is understandable uh that's a big part of you know sticking on these teams across the league is finding those places where you're going to fit best so to date, they've agreed to terms with five different players. Now, mind you, one player could wake up tomorrow, have a better deal on the table, and until it's signed, they can change their mind. We've seen this happen before, not just with the Bills, but across the league. But right now, uh, five players. Um, I don't want. I don't know who the top name necessarily would be, but they did sign a tight end out of Bowling Green, so uh, someone that maybe some fans here in Buffalo are familiar with. Uh, they are in talks. They're one of the teams that's really interested in Shane Simpson, a running back out of Virginia that can could make a splash on special teams if he signs here. He has the return ability. So there's a sixth player that's possibly signing, but he has interest from other NFL teams as well. Yeah, and I, I saw you tweet that out that you know there was a lot of interest around him. I think that's you know interesting enough. You know all of this talk about Travis Etienne and you know potentially a running back in the draft. 
I think it's going to be a real uphill climb for any running back that tries to get on here because you had the two guys at the top. They brought in a veteran in Matt Breida. You've talked about how much they like Antonio Williams, which I think is right on the money. And then this is the summer of Christian Wade. Finally, after all of these years, we're going to really get a chance to see how far he's come. So, you know, to your point uh, earlier, I put up a post on Syracuse.com because Brandon Bean actually talked about this. They anticipated this. It's actually what motivated uh, Brandon to trade back, you know, which, you know, that's not usually his forte. He's he's made his name on trading up and being aggressive. He moved out of that second, fifth round pick, picked up an additional sixth round pick. So they picked three times in the sixth round. We'll get into all that. But he did that because he wanted an extra chance to get a player that he wanted. They had a lot of similar grades in that range on players. And he thought, okay, we're going to struggle to get undrafted free agents to come in here and compete because there's not a lot of roster spots uh, available. Let me draft a couple guys that I know I can bring in here and force in here basically. Uh, mm-hmm. And we can get a look at them. Cause I was talking about this at in Cleveland with Josh Reed uh, and Thad Brown, you know, Josh made the point, like, you know, at, at some point you got to kind of cut it off because how many guys can you bring to camp? And I, I kind of played devil's advocate. I still think they want to bring these guys in because you know, given the chance that they find a Dane Jackson, you know what I mean? Find a Levi Wallace or a couple of years ago, a Robert Foster, an Isaiah McKenzie. I know that that they brought him over from Denver, a Cam Lewis, who we'll get into that as well, the cornerback situation. But um, I think that they want to get as many guys in here as possible to get in their program, take a look at them and see, you know, nobody thought Delshawn Phillips was making this roster last year. So until we get to cut down day, anything's possible. Yeah, anything's possible. Reggie Gilliam last year on draft free agent signing made the roster. Uh, you know, last year the Bills made a big splash. They signed Trey Adams, who everyone thought was one of the bigger names available after the draft. He obviously didn't make the roster, but was on the practice squad. You know, you kind of nailed it in terms of what Brandon Bean said. Trading down gave us an extra player, extra pick, because we knew that some of these players in, in on draft free agency weren't going to come here. So they still get a chance to evaluate another player. Uh, I thought they had some really good picks in in round six and round seven in terms of experience, in terms of fit, uh, in terms of ties to even to this roster and other players. So I'm sure they had some extra due diligence on some of these uh, players. So it, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, it's going to be hard to make this roster. You know, you, you alluded to the running back position. You're going to have to be really good on special teams if you do join this this roster as an undrafted free agent because they obviously like Moss. Um, Moss was looking like he was on the on the verge of almost being that lead back last year. You have Singletary, who uh, has put in a lot of work this offseason, work on finding that extra gear, Antonio Williams, Christian Wade. And then they signed Matt Breida as a free agent, too, to the vet minimum. So there are options here. And I'm not going to say there's not a path for an undirected free agent, but it's, it's going to be tough. Let me get into something else, too. We're going to break down all these picks. Um, if you're just hopping in here, thank you for joining us on this uh, Saturday evening, uh, the NFL draft is in the books, and we have a, a you know now a couple months to dive into all the position battles and the depth chart breakdown and all that kind of stuff that that'll be fun. But one thing that I see that I that I saw on social media that I wanted to address when we got on the show was, you know, people taking issue with this draft because with the argument that the Bills didn't get better, um, mm. their roster didn't get better from Thursday to Saturday. And some people even arguing from January to, to today, to Saturday. And I, I take issue with that only from the senses. I think you can really scan through the position groups and find places 
find um, arguments that can be made to where this is a better roster in 2021 uh, going into the draft. And I think that they got better on the defensive line in the draft. I mean, we t- we talked to Brandon Bean today about, you know, Gregory Rousseau and, and Carlos Basham Jr. again um, after he you know spoke in detail about both of those guys after they, after he drafted them. And he basically said, these, these are long-term plays, no doubt about it, but there will be a defined role for Rousseau and Basham next year. He anticipates that they're going to be a part of the rotation. If you look on the offensive side of the ball, Emmanuel Sanders, in my opinion, and we talked about this on the, in one of the free agency shows, I think that he is a market upgrade over John Brown for several Mm -hmm. factors. Number one, he has played, he has had some of his biggest games in some of his biggest moments. And that type of um, production is infectious. That type of experience, you can't replicate that in a room. And so I think getting him in the, in, in the building, his work ethic, his, his, his kind of passion for the grind. I think that that's going to really rub off on a lot of people. And I think that that just takes this offense to the next level. I think it's why, you know, they didn't force anything. They didn't have to force anything at wide receiver because for this year and this year alone with some of the, and I know we can talk about 22 and 23, uh, Cole Beasley, Sanders will be moving on. What do you actually have in Hodgins and, and Gabriel Davis? All those are, are, are fine arguments, but if you want to talk about getting better as a roster and because they didn't take a wide receiver, this it's a faulty argument for me because in terms of 21 right now, this offense as constructed right now is better. I think on paper than it was a year ago. Yeah. It's better because of the additions that they made. It's better because these younger players are going to develop another year further. It's better because you're getting players back that were lost to injury, such as a Cody Ford, who they have high expectations for. Uh, they're expecting big things. Like I said, the continuation of a career with a guy like Dawson Knox with Ed Oliver. Play, young players get better each year, year in, year out. And if they don't, well, then eventually, you know, you, you do have to cut ties with players. So not every player, I shouldn't, I shouldn't sit here and say every player gets better as the years go on because that's not the case. But they're depending on a lot of these younger players to get better, to to compete for not just the starting roles, but to become more dominant, to take on that bigger role, to help the Bills kind of close the gap on the Chiefs and on some of these other teams uh, in the AFC that now their rosters have gotten a lot better and they are a legitimate threat directly to Buffalo. So, yeah, they, they've added a lot of talent in the draft. They added a lot of talent in free agency, and then they still have a lot of youth that's just going to get better and better. You know, I think that this offensive line, too, is – all of a sudden a real strong suit. I think you could really, you know, depth wise talk about, you know, where they go one through 10, one through maybe even 12 and put it up against almost anything in the league. I I really like the depth that they've had. I know some people wanted to see some interior additions. You saw that later on in the draft, they pick up Jack Anderson from Texas tech, who I think is a very underrated signing, a guy that's played, you know, big time college football for a few years. I'm interested to see what, what that'll look like. He's a pretty big boy, not as big as the other two, uh, but it's six four, I believe, three twenty, three thirty. Uh, uh, that, that's an intriguing uh, addition that I think that they like. Uh, <laughs> I asked him about his uh, uh, resemblance of Richie Incognito Jr., <laughs> and he said that he has been no. It's he's been known to be called uh, Little Richie from time to time. Which is great. Little, you know, little Richie just itself is a fantastic nickname because of the singer and everything else. But he does look just like him. It's pretty unbelievable. But yeah, and that's what I was talking about with really liking some of these late picks. The last pick you, you add someone that had, I think, 30 plus starts in his college career. Someone that when the draft was on, they're talking about how fundamentally sound he is. Someone that gets all the aspects. 
So maybe he's limited in some areas, but he has the experience that the Bills like. The fundamentals are solid. There's a shot there, not necessarily to make the 53-man roster out of the gate, but to be on the practice squad, to develop, to get better. And then maybe if there's an injury or something happens, he gets promoted, he gets that opportunity, and he shines in that role. You just never know. But when you can get players that have draftable grades in the final round of a draft that supposedly was thin because of all the players that went back to their respective schools, it's impressive. Uh, you look at the wide receiver that they added. You you are the one that tweeted it was a great catch right out of the gate that Chris Trapasso had him as a third-round pick to the Bills in, his, in one of his mock drafts. So to get someone in the sixth round uh, that, you, that was there – or that some people thought could go in the third round is mighty impressive too. Yeah. Let's um, uh, get into some of these picks here. Uh, We'll start at uh, Tommy Doyle, who is a freakishly huge tackle. I mean, and you know, on top of what they did with Spencer Brown, and I know there was some, you know, confusion, I think amongst Bill's fans. Okay. Okay. I thought you just got this guy in Spencer Brown. You come back and you, and you kind of take a swing again, Tommy Doyle, Miami, Ohio guy, a little bit less athletic. I think maybe not less athletic, but he's a little bit less. Um, uh, he's a little bit stiffer as, as, as a, as a prospect. I think that one of the big knocks on him in his scouting reports or the, is that he struggles with his bend, uh, within his uh, blocking motions. And so that's something he's going to have to work on. And, but, Bobby Johnson went to Miami, Ohio. He went to his pro day. He talked to people around campus and he's just going to fit in with, you know, what they want to do in their program. And I think when you, their mindset going into this draft, a draft that mind you, we talked about this was there were a lot of questions about the quality of the information that was available to these teams. So what did Brandon B Brandon Bean do in response to that? He took a couple of swings, three or four on really traitsy, projection type players. And I think that you can do that in a draft like this when you believe as much as you do in your program and the coaching staff. And a cool thing for a lot of these offensive linemen they drafted is they're coming in to a situation in 2021 with no pressure. I mean, they're returning all of their starters. And when I say all of their starters, I'm talking about six players who started games for them last year. They're starting day one offensive line projected to be Dawkins, uh, Cody Floor, Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams, and John Feliciano. I mean, that is a really strong offensive line going out, coming out of the gates. I think you upgrade potentially if Spencer Brown can come in and get comfortable right away. Just his like his youth, his energy, his athleticism, you, you probably figure that he, that's an upgrade over Ty and Secchi. And that's not saying anything negative about him. He was great in the time that he played for the Bills uh, when he was at, called upon. But how much could you get out of him? I mean, he's going to be 35 this year. And so I think, you know, with the addition of a guy like Forrest Lamp, who I think is really intriguing as an interior depth piece, mm-hmm. and then Jack Anderson, Tommy Doyle, uh, Spencer Brown, like we mentioned, you have so many different things that you can do, so many different varieties of player. And we've seen this happen. The Bills just load up an offensive line, free agency, the draft, and then there's – two, one, two, maybe three players that Brandon Bean can even trade during roster cutdown time. Russell Bodine's an example of a, a player somewhat recently that he traded away and, and was able to get a pick for. So you look and you look at Bobby Hart, for instance. Bobby Hart signs in free agency. Everyone expects, uh, expects him to possibly be in the running for the swing tackle. He still could be. Don't get me wrong. But now you have Bobby Hart. You have Ryan Bates. And you have Spencer Brown. Brandon Bean said it today at the post-draft presser. You know, 
Spencer Brown could be one injury away from starting. Well, you're only one injury away from starting if you are that swing tackle. You're that next man up, so to speak. Uh, so there's high expectations there. So then you go to Tommy Doyle. Oh, Doyle rules, by the way. I uh, just have to <laughs> drop that in there. Highly I got to ask, you, I gotta ask go you, Ryan, did you get that tweet out? Because I saw that you mentioned the O'Doyle. Did you get that out before the Bills did the uh, the meme that they I, put out? I'm pretty sure I did, but I'd have to go back and check. I mean, they, they put, I'm just going to say that you did and they and they ripped it. It's OK. No problem. Well, it's so anytime you see the name Doyle, you have to go. Doyle <laughs> rules, though. No, teasing. I know. Um, but what's interesting is both of them have that relative athletic score that is just off the charts. Uh, he was a uh, Doyle, that is, was a 9.9 out of 10. So there is athleticism there, but the band and everything that you mentioned, those are things that you can work on. If you can fix the minor issues and you have that player, that dancing bear, as I called them when we did uh, the chat on Twitter earlier today, if you can get those guys that are moving and can move their 6'7, 6'8, 315, 325, whatever it may be, and they're just bulldozing guys getting to the second level and they're that athletic. The Bills could be set up here for a long time because they already have Deion Dawkins locked up at one spot for the foreseeable future, long term. Darrell Williams is here for the next three years if he plays out the contract. Obviously, the Bills usually work those outs into it. As of right now, there's absolutely no reason to end his contract early. Don't get me wrong. He was outstanding last year. But they have that that they can work in. If you need to free up some space, now you have some options that you can develop, bring along but you're one play away from getting in there if you're Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle. You know, there's a legit shot for him to make this roster and for a guy like Bobby Hart to suddenly get traded somewhere to a team that is looking for a swing tackle uh, that, and they're looking for a veteran that has experience because Bobby Hart does have that. He's been a little underwhelming when he's been on the field in his career in Cincinnati, and I think the Giants before that, but... Yeah, this is this is the beauty of what Brandon Bean does every year. He brings in an influx of talent across that board, and then he tries to move a few of those extra spare parts, so to speak, for draft picks in, in the following drafts. Mark Marquez Stevenson is a really intriguing pick, especially where they got him, the value that they got him, because I don't think he factors in offensively this year. Uh, there's some questions about his route running. I think he needs some time to develop. I think the landing spot for him here behind Nicole Beasley could work wonders. I mean, we, we've talked to Isaiah McKenzie tons about what it's meant to, to, to be able to sit back and learn behind Beasley. And I think that will help Stevenson quite a bit. But in the meantime, he can kind of throw his hat in the ring, you know, in terms of the competition for kick returning duties. I know we penciled in Isaiah McKenzie into that role, but there's a reason we use pencil. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he had that nice punt return last year but the the few kick returns that he had in the Miami game uh they weren't uh monsters by any stretch and that was a a big piece for this team last year with Andre Roberts they can find some some consistency there with a guy like Stevenson that could add some value with that I like that and I also think I don't know if you noticed Isaiah McKenzie had a tweet today which was very um Uh, interesting timing right he had the he had the facepalm uh emoji because in a lot of ways this is a guy that replicates the skill set of Isaiah McKenzie. And this goes to the point. I think somebody said it in the chat here. Brandon Bean is going to, at every turn, bring in a player to push whoever's got dibs on a position. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, Mario Addison, that was a big topic too. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We can even talk about it now. But, you know, Mario Addison, was he was asked about, uh, Brandon was asked about his role this year. And he said, 
he's still in our plans. I, even with the money that could be saved after June 1st, you know, they want to bring him back because of the impact that he has on younger players, even, you know, bringing over Afi Adoba, um, Obata, right? Obata. Mm-hmm. Obata. Yeah, I always say Adoba. Uh, I don't know why <laughs> I, I, I got to figure that out. Why that's always my first thing to go. Um, but, um, they were talking to him and he said, Mario Addison's impact on me was career altering. And you think about what that could mean for Gregory Rousseau, who I know is going to get some some top notch mentoring from Mr. Bruce Smith, it appears. But, you know, to get some as well from a guy in the thick of it that's had some success in the league. I think that that's a, a big deal. Yeah. And maybe Brandon Bean is just saying that today and in the back of his mind, he knows it's, it's a legitimate possibility that Mario Addison could go at some point in time on this roster. But that's that's the same for any veteran on this roster. If young guys emerge and play well, it's that's just the circle of life in the NFL, so to speak. But Addison helping uh, F.A. Obata and, and developing him during their time in Carolina together and seeing that Obata in his first year without him gets five and a half sacks and it gets better and better. That's intriguing, knowing that you now have two young guys on this roster that you want to bring along, and you have Addison, and you have Jerry Hughes, uh, and, and then you also have younger voices that can help him out. AJ Apanessa, in terms of, well, here's what I did as a rookie. Uh, obviously, his year was so much different than a typical rookie's because of, of the fact that there was no uh, off-season trainings, OTAs, mini camps, things like that, due to. COVID pandemic being at its height at that point in time, but even a younger voice can help these, these players out going back to uh, Stevenson. Yeah. I think there's a direct path for him here is a kick returner set a record at Houston, uh, three kick return touchdowns in his career. And the three actually happened in the last two years. So it only took him two seasons to break that all time record, very explosive, a Swiss army knife. So as you said, kind of can replicate that Isaiah McKenzie role. If the bills really want to now that being said, McKenzie came back on a pretty agreeable rate. Uh, so he, I, I think that he makes this roster unless other players step up, like an Isaiah Hodgins, like someone that's a little bit different because you can you can probably stash a Stevenson if you have to, or you can just simply say, well, he's the extra wide receiver spot that Andre Roberts was because the Bills kept, I think it was seven last year, it was really six wide receivers, and then Roberts, who was your – primary kick return, punt return, man. So unless someone that has a different skill set, a different build stands out, I think both guys are safe this year. But long-term, that's probably their their plan to replace an Isaiah McKenzie. If you're just joining us right now, thank you so much. This is, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, hit that like button on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. We're almost at 2K. I can, Ryan, how, how awesome are these people on YouTube? Uh, almost at 2K. I think we started this channel right in the middle of the playoff push. I, I want to say around the Baltimore playoff week, uh, episode 100 was one of the first ones. I think we're already up to 135. So it's mm-hmm. been a busy off season, but we're we're grinding and we love it. So if you can uh, hit that like button, hit that subscription, share it on all the other social platforms as well. Uh, we're gonna we'll be back this next week. I'm hoping to book uh, Chris Trapasso. He owes us that post draft edition. I'd like to get That's into right. that and obviously talk a little bit about uh, Marquez Stevenson and his thoughts on the on the draft as a whole. Um, but you know, I, w- I want to get into the secondary because a lot of Bills fans were waiting patiently day after day for the cornerback <laughs> position to be addressed. And you know, I want to give you guys a little insight in that. But it came up in Brandon Bean's press conference today, and he was basically asked like. 
Okay, and we can also get in running back too, because I thought he had a, a good quote on that. So remind me in the chat if you if you like us to get into that. He basically talked about, you know, we were considering cornerback at a couple different spots, and I think we we talked about this on day one. The problem is either a player went that they liked that they had maybe a similar grade on to somebody that was you know that they selected went a pick or two or maybe a few picks before they drafted, or when they got to the pick, the next cornerback down just wasn't high enough to consider taking over the player that they did. And the way that he talked about Boogie Basham and how high of a grade that they had on him, I don't think cornerback was ever mm -hmm. in play there. And a trade down was never in play either, especially hearing him talk about the value of trading down and, 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 and adding assets. I think that that gives you kind of some insight into what they thought about Basham in this scenario. And, you know, he also talked about something else. Like you got to understand the inner workings of the organization and the inner workings of the coaching staff and what they ask their cornerbacks to do, what they want them to do. Like they're not going to be on the front lines going out and trying to get a JC Horn or Patrick Sertan or shut down corner, like a Paulson Adebo even who's, you know, we talked about his press man skills. That's not something that Brandon Bean and this coaching staff is really coveting. They want a guy that's going to come in here, be physical, be dependable, that can tackle. And that's like a big piece. And they go out and they get Rashad Wild Goose with their third uh, six round pick the one of the coolest names ever um <laughs> and i'm sure we'll see the top gun memes for day, for weeks and weeks and then they go back to the well ryan this isn't breaking news brandon bean has shown the the path back to carolina many times since he got to buffalo bringing in players from there well they had some success with a young man named dane jackson and he specifically talked about him today well he brought in his his college teammate they grew up together they lived uh, uh down the road from each other basically damar um hamlin safety from pittsburgh so they go defensive back two straight picks in the sixth round what were your thoughts well yeah first first and foremost a lot of these little storylines are, are so interesting to me so you you already mentioned it with hamlin grew up with dane jackson they've known each other since they're about seven or eight years old they go to the same college. They go now to the same pro team. You go back to Marquis Stevenson, uh, Ed Oliver's roommate at Houston, his mentor, Trey White. So little things like that uh, are so interesting to me, and they kind of blow my mind in terms of all these little uh, matches. And even when you look at a wild goose there, uh, <laughs> or yeah, wow, because it's, it's such an interesting name that I, I had to double-check every time I say it now. <laughs> Even when you go back to didn't he say that he was related to Elvis Doomerville? Uh, might have said that. I missed it. If he okay, did. I'm pretty sure he did. It's all blending together right now. I'm pretty sure he was the prospect that said that. So good bloodlines. All these little extra storylines intrigue me. Uh, starting with Wild Goose. Really athletic. Really good closing speed. Good tackler, a lot that a lot to like about him. Again, this late in the draft, getting someone like that. That's the one thing that the athleticism maybe hasn't been off the charts for uh, Levi Wallace. It's been okay. It's been solid. Dane Jackson, there's limits there athletically, but when he had the opportunities last year, he really flashed. This is someone that has the athleticism that could, if developed properly, uh, come in and make an impact. Hamlin, I like his, uh, I like his game as well. So both of these guys are in the mix in terms of depth roles. They obviously have to do their part in OTAs, uh, training camp, et cetera, preseason. But even if they don't make it on this roster, because it, it is a loaded roster, as we mentioned, 
These are guys that you can hopefully stash on your practice squad. And I know Bills fans panic about it every year. Like, oh, no, this player is going to get claimed. This guy's going to go. This one's going to go. And I think last year one Bills player ended up getting claimed um, after cut downs, and then they were able to br- pretty much bring everyone back that they wanted to. So it's okay if some of these late draft picks do not make the roster this year. That's why Brandon Bean moved down to add the extra capital to get some of these players in here because he wants to develop them, knowing that they might not make the roster, but you can probably still stash them on this practice squad. Yeah, and now you go back, and this is the fifth draft of the McBean era. Uh, The fourth draft for Brandon Bean. Obviously, Sean was here with Doug Whaley the first time around. And you look at the defensive backs that they've drafted uh, since they've been here. Obviously, they started off with a bang. Tredavious White, the first pick of the the regime uh, before Brandon got here. Then they come back the next year. Taron Johnson, who I think as a fourth-round pick, you know, has started a ton of games. I think that that you can consider that a hit, especially considering the big play that he made in the playoffs last year. And of course the regular season one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Saran Neal, who has been in a special teams stud. And if you could find a player like that on day three, like they did in the fifth round in 2018, I think that you take that all day. We don't know much about Jaquan Johnson yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took him in the sixth round in 2018. 19 so we'll learn more about him as we go along and then last year dane jackson so the the track record here of drafting defensive backs and even some of the guys the undrafted guys that they've had and the the veteran cornerbacks that that's a position group that i feel like this regime sean mcdermott more than ever, anybody has a really good grasp on it. and it's not one where i feel like they have to overextend themselves to try to draft high because they're usually going to bring in a couple people whether it be veterans, whether it be um, some of these undrafted free agent guys that come in and end up shining in camp. I mean, we could get to camp and have a real problem on our hands if you're Dane Jackson or Levi Wallace, if Rashad Wild Goose comes in here and, and has a similar type of impact early on as even a Dane Jackson did last year. Yeah, and, and I think I just read that uh, the Bills signed another cornerback out of USC, uh, Griffin, as an undrafted free agent. So, Oh, and he's Warren G's son. Look at that. There's a, yeah, there's a interesting uh, factoid for you. So yeah, they seem to have confidence in a lot of the guys that they bring in, that they sign, that they add after the draft, that they can truly develop them, bring them along. But you and I were talking about this on our last show. There are veteran cornerbacks on the market. I'm sure there's veteran safeties. There's no reason to worry right now because if the bills feel like they, they lack a certain, uh, veteran in a certain room positional room they can still go out and sign that veteran and tell them listen you can come in you can compete nothing's going to be guaranteed or given to you but come on in and uh compete for that spot so there's still options out there because like you said where's the cornerback where's the cornerback that was the claim and it would be interesting to go back and look round by round to see who were some of those players that maybe were taken right before the bills Uh, selected one that comes to mind is Sean Wade. Sean Wade was taken one pick before the Bills. The Mm. Bills had met with him multiple times via Zoom. They had some interest in him pre-draft. Now, I don't know for a fact whether or not that he was going to go the next pick to the Bills, and I want to say that was their first fifth-round pick, not the one that obviously they tried. Yeah, it was in the fifth round uh, that Wade finally went. So maybe there. I don't know that for sure, but you already mentioned it. Round two, Carlos Basham Jr. was the guy. They had a deal in place with the NFC team, and they told that team, they said, well, listen, if one player is there, we're not moving out of the spot. And he was that one player. So definitely not there. Definitely not round one. They they wanted Russo. They were high on Russo. So uh, that leaves, you know, 
round three, which I think that they really like Spencer Brown. So now I'm just wondering, maybe it really is just a case that there was no situation on day one and day two where they said a cornerback's our guy. Uh, and then they, they opted for another position. Now maybe in round one had Newsom been there at 30, then it could have been a difficult decision, but for the most part, I, I just think that the Bills went with the draft board and they're very happy with the results. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, stick around here. We're going to get – I want to talk about another couple things here, running back. Um, another thing I want to talk about here is the Senior Bowl. And I want to get into um, our grades. Like I want to grade the entire draft, uh, Give both of us give a grade, get into some of our big takeaways um, or, or, or some of the big reasons why we gave the grade. But um, – Let's start with the senior bowl because next year, Ryan, the bills could be, you know, plotting their way to a super bowl potentially. I mean, they have the roster for it. They went to the AFC title game last year. Um, I think that they're in the mix in the AFC, no doubt about it, but whether or not they're going to the super bowl, we're taking that week off because we're both, if we can do it, going to the senior bowl because Brandon Bean in this front office, that's their lane. They like to live at the senior bowl. Boogie Basham, um, Spencer Brown, uh, t- uh, Tommy uh, Doyle, um, Demir, I forgot it, Hilton. The list goes on and on. I mean, the majority of this draft class was at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, I asked Brendan Bean about that and and, and why it was so um, important to, to land those players or why, you know, they came away with so many Senior Bowl players. And he said, listen, we, we had a lot of tape. The, the one-on-ones from that week, all the stuff that happens in the in the press practice setting, the ability to sit down with those extended interviews. So if you take the entire process, right, the guys that um, are at the Senior Bowl, you're going to have more access to them than you will anybody else during the draft process because you start those interviews that week, you know, right in January. So. Yeah, this continues to be a huge event for the Bills, and they and they really cleaned up from from that Senior Bowl roster. I, I'm still waiting for Jim Nagy to come out and 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 really have his All Bills uh, Senior Bowl team. Yeah, you're not kidding. And I'm trying to think maybe about last year, but go back all the way to the first year of Sean McDermott. Even before Brandon Bean gets here, there was Taron Johnson, there was Saran Neal. Both, oh no, that, that actually might have been the Josh Allen year with uh, with some of them. I'm trying to think now, but yeah, Taron Johnson, Saran Neal, Josh Allen, uh, Harrison Phillips. I believe these guys were all players that were at the senior bowl. I think Zay Jones may have been there. And again, that was McDermott's first year. Our, our boy, Nate Peterman uh, was a senior bowl <laughs> player, but the Who's list, boy? <laughs> the list goes on and on and on in terms of they've looked at those players and they've drafted quite a few of them. Uh, last year may have been one of the first years where there weren't many. It may have been very few. But even in, in some of these undrafted free agents that fall through the cracks, I think there's been a few cases where you've had a senior bowl player mixed in here and there. I think Levi Wallace may have been one, in fact. Cool um, little nugget, too, here is that, you know, I, I know a lot of people wanted Sean Wade. But I, I might argue that his versatility is less so than I think you're getting in Rashad Wild Goose, who went, you know, plenty of picks after him and wild goose is faster. And I think that's, if you're talking about one of the knocks for me on Levi Wallace over the years, it's been a lack of close closing speed because he is a pretty sure tackler most of the time. 
Um, but it's about getting to the play and making the play and being reactive. And I think if you have a little bit more quickness and speed, I think that that positions Wild Goose in, in a really nice spot to get into camp and and to make an impression early on. So just a little you know tidbit there that I think is in, is interesting. They did they brought in a cornerback albeit in the sixth round, uh, a cornerback, a defensive back with some speed. So that's pretty fun. Let's get into the running back discussion because great question by Sal Capaccio. He basically asked Brandon Bean, like there was a lot of smoke around the running back position last week um, or this past week. Uh, the Travis Etienne rumor that started it on Monday. Mm. Uh, we put up a, a a full show on basically on that and, and the engagement on it was something significant. So by the way, speaking of engagement, smash that like button and hit that subscribe button on YouTube while you're here. We really appreciate it. Um, and he said, listen, we liked some running backs in this class and enough to where he wouldn't have shied away from a first round draft pick. They really had a grade on, on Travis Etienne. Now I am hesitant to think that they would have had Etienne graded ahead of Gregory Rousseau with everything we've learned about how much they coveted, not only the player and the production, but the, the measurables and th mm -hmm. those kinds of players don't come along very often, especially in that range. Um, you know, I feel like the boogie Bashams of the world are much more prevalent year to year than the Gregory Rousseau's who just come with just unbelievable length and size and all the physical attributes. Um, but he, Brandon Bean basically said it like, you know, I, I would draft a running back in the first round, but it comes down to, you know, where your board takes you. And I maybe looking depending on how this thing shakes out in five to 10 years and who knows what the careers will be of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, but maybe the bills will, you'll look back as a bills fan, even if you were team Etienne. And by the end of things, I was all aboard that train. I, I thought that, that would have been, you know, if, if some of these pass rushers were gone, I thought that would have been a really um, smart way to go. I think you'll look back on this draft and maybe be a little bit thankful that you didn't have to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, heart goes out to Marcel when that pick was made. And then <laughs> actually not when the pick was made at, later that night, when uh, the press conference there after the draft and uh, Urban Meyer says that Travis Etienne is going to be their third down back, that they have Carlos Hyde and they have Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson, really, really talented, by the way. Uh, undrafted free agent went for like 1300 yards last year is going to be like their one, two punch. And then you're going to bring in Travis Etienne on third downs. Uh, he shared that one really funny video of the guy that goes up to the window. I think it was like of a flower shop and there's a cat in there. And he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm just rambling at this point. Uh, but it's a really great little video that gets shared on, on Twitter from time to time. Go to his timeline. You'll find it. Uh, pretty much that Brandon Bean's going to try to get ETN for free uh, or freed from Jacksonville. And he was joking about it, of course. But yeah, peculiar pick by, by Jacksonville, depending on what they already had there. But probably a good thing that he wasn't on the board at 30, because I think there would have been a lot of upset Bills fans if they would have gone with Russo had ETN been there. Um, Can we call Trey White Maverick? I, I think that's great. If while I feel like if Wild Goose earns himself a start, that will be my first question to Travis White in that week's press conference. So <laughs> you don't worry yourself at all. All right. So um, let's get into our grade now. Uh, we're 40 minutes in. I want to spend, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes on this. You know, I've spent some time with it. Like first and foremost, let me get into just the ideology of a, a, a post-draft grade. It's It's silly. I, I, you're grading a collection of players that haven't played an NFL down yet. I know it's about like, you know, you, you want to measure a team's needs going into the draft with what they versus what they came out with. 
Um, and I think you can you can put a, a letter grade on that. But we don't know what how these guys are going to fit in in 2021. You know how how they're going to play for the next four years. And I think you need that entire um, body of work before you place a letter grade on something. But we live in 2021. We live in the social media era. We gotta we gotta put a, a grade on everything or a list or a take or something. So we will. Um, I'm gonna give them a, a, at the time right now a B with the with a caveat that if all of these projections somehow make have find a way to materialize and develop uh, i'm giving them the uh the room to to maybe go as far as an a maybe even a plus if you get if gregory russo to me this draft comes down to one thing if gregory russo turns into a premier pass rusher and when i say a premier pass rusher i'm talking about a guy that ranks in the top 15 in pressures, a guy that can get maybe sneak in to the top 10 in sacks or be around that number year in and year out. You know, Ryan, I went back and looked at Aaron Schobel because I wanted to look at when Bruce retired to when, you know, current time. I forgot how consistent Aaron Schobel was turning in double digit sack numbers, you know, pretty consistently. I think he had a year here or there where he didn't, but man, I, I forgot all about that. So kudos to Aaron Schobel, my bad. Um, but you know, Mario Addison came in here or Mario Williams came in here and had a couple good seasons. You had Lorenzo Alexander with that kind of, um, one year explosion for 12 and a half sacks, but you know, Bruce Smith was right on the money and that's why I put up a story on it today. They put out of, if you haven't seen the video yet, Bruce Smith recorded a video of himself talking to Gregory Rousseau and, and how he's talked to the, to the Pagulas over the years since Sean and Brandon got here and said, that's the one thing we're missing. Like we, I want, you know, I want that big dominant pass rusher and, you know, Gregory Rousseau, whatever you think about him, I think just the size alone and the age and the rawness to his game, there's a chance. And if he turns into that, for me, no matter what anybody else in this class does, this 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 draft was an A+. Yeah, uh, I was going to go with a B as well, so I'll, I'm going to stick with the B grade uh, that, that you also had. Listen, it wasn't a sexy draft, okay? I get it. The, the skill players were not selected in, in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, uh, in the fifth round. They went DN, DN, O-tackle, O-tackle. But you need those big uglies on your team. You need those players that can come in and make a difference, protect your quarterback, or get after the quarterback. And the first two picks that the Bills made, they're depending on those guys to develop and be able to get after the quarterback. Anyone that watched the AFC Championship last year, saw that Patrick Mahomes, with it, multiple injuries, especially a bad injury to his toe, had all day to throw for most of that game. No pressure, no heat, uh, just playing toss out there with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and friends. And that's why the Bills could not stop them at all in that game. So now you address that. If Rousseau, like you said, develops or Groot, as he likes or as he's known as, then that's that raises the grade. If Boogie, Carlos Boogie Basham, uh, ends up developing, whether it's as a starter opposite him, whether it's being a, a third rotational man because of you still have A.J. Epineza here as a young option, then that helps raise the grade. You have Spencer Brown, who unbelievably off-the-charts athletic. And to get – I think he's better than some of the tackles that went before him in this draft class. Now, mind you, when teams add these tackles, they're, they're adding them based on – the blocking scheme that they have. So this that happens every year. But I think Spencer Brown could end up being one of the better tackles in this draft class. You could look back and be like, man, that guy, talent-wise, athleticism-wise, could have been a first-round pick. He 
I think year one, he's your swing tackle. He beats out Bobby Hart. Uh, by year two, he could push Daryl uh, Williams for that starting role. And that doesn't mean that Williams's career in Buffalo is over. It means you could kick him to guard. It, it means a lot of different things, but I think he's in play and that would raise your grade. And then, you know, it can, anything... it can also, Ryan, it could also mean you trade him. Yeah. Like, that's another thing that people are forgetting. That's what Brandon Bean has done time and time again, is he's turned players that even play well for him into draft capital. And future draft capital. I mean, I know people don't like to look back at the Wyatt Teller trade with fond eyes because he's turned into such a great player in Cleveland, albeit with some great coaching out there in a situation that was right for him. But, you know, you turn that into a fifth round pick. If if you trade Daryl Williams in, in, in a season or two after he continues to play at a high level and you turn that into a second round pick after you sign him for nothing when no other teams really even wanted him. I mean, those are the kinds of moves that like really, really good franchises make. Absolutely. And year in, year out, you can do that if you have the talent there. And then you look at Williams's contract. It's not a massive amount of money for a really good uh, offensive tackle. So, yeah, he's a player that you could trade, that you can move around. Uh, I did just see something in here that I wanted to address about him. Eric Space. I have a friend in Iowa, and he says, Scuttlebutt out there is the Bills may turn Brown into a tight end. That scuttlebutt is balderdash if we're throwing out some some great vocabulary. No, they're not turning him into a tight end. We're bro, bro, I got to tell you right now, you saying balderdash, I've never met a word that fit a person more completely. I think that you need to walk, work in balderdash at least once per episode moving forward. Love the uh, – oh, you know what I forgot? My wife got these really killer friends um, – coffee mugs i'll, I'll introduce oh, that next week on the show nice nice yeah no you're not taking that guy to turn him into a, a tight end now could you make him uh eligible on the line yeah we've seen that with Deanne dawkins we see them do that with a lot of offensive linemen and if he's as athletic as advertised sure but no you're not developing him someone actually asked me about the fifth round pick saying do you think they could turn him into a tight end no they they want these guys to be offensive tackles. They want these guys to be contributors on this offensive line for uh, for years to come. I would be shocked if you're taking someone that's coming in, rolling in at uh, three twenty four or three oh eight, whatever the case may be, and say we want to get you down in, into tight end shape. No, it, it's just not happening. All right, I'm 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 tweeting out our show right now with the hashtag Balderdash, so I, <laughs> I don't ever forget that you use that word. Um, awesome. It's great. Really great stuff. All right. Uh, 45 minutes in the books. I think this was a good wrap-up show. We're going to be back next week, uh, hopefully planning a pretty big show for Wednesday night, if not Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night. Cam Greasy asking about Dawson Knox. Keep that fresh. Ask on Wednesday. We'll get into <laughs> that for sure. Um, uh, hopefully, we can we can book Chris Trapasso. I was even talking to John Scott tonight. He might come back in and uh, and join us. Thank you so much. What a great couple of days. The draft is always this unbelievable haul. I was talking to a um, great fan of the show, uh, Matt Harmon, uh, I believe, on on Twitter. And he was like, I was listening to your podcast last night. And you guys just sounded absolutely shot, exhausted. And I was like, it is, man. It is a grind and a haul because that first night, the Bills picked at 30. We were, I was up until 4 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, sleep for five, six hours, get back. You're right back at it again. And um, then you come back for the real long process of, of, of Friday night, and then it's a full day Saturday. So, but you know, it's a labor of love. This is fun. We love jumping on here with all you guys. The chats have been great. It's been a fun time. 
Yeah, it's been awesome, and it is a grind. Um, Matt, I think, has been going to sleep later than I have, but the first night was just three hours for me because I took the kids to school, got up nice and early, tried to nap a little bit later that day, didn't work out. But, you know, we'll, we'll rest up here. We'll be ready for Wednesday or Thursday night with our next episode of Shout. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get some rest. Have a fun Sunday, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care, everyone.